Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's Thursday, July 14th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, the Guardians dropped another two-to-one decision to the Chicago White Sox. Split the series last night, but that really wasn't the storyline. Uh, Aaron Savali leaves after the first inning with a sore wrist. Uh, is being examined, and we should get a report uh, sometime today on what's the matter with Savali. Uh, they also lost Luke Maley, uh potentially in that game uh, after he took a, a foul tip to the mask. So uh, there could be some roster changes and moves uh, ahead of Thursday's series opener with the Tigers. Uh, the two to one loss to Chicago, notwithstanding, uh, you know, things are sort of up in the air right now with this Guardians club. Yeah, definitely, Joe. They haven't, you know, obviously they haven't played well. You know, we've seen them slip from you know, a, a first virtual first place tie with the Twins on June 23rd to, uh, you know, they're four and a half games out now with four to play before the break. And uh, they've gone seven and 15 since, uh, you know, since, you know, being uh, tied for the with the Twins. So, you know, there's reason for concern. And, uh, you know, Savali, obviously he wouldn't make another start. But if he has to go on the IL, you know, they could bring up an, an extra arm you know, for this four game series against the twins and uh, with a melee, um, he just, uh, man, he took a shot in the ninth inning off of a foul ball from Emmanuel class. A. he went down on all fours. It uh, looked really, he looked like a fighter taking a standing eight count when the, you know, the trainers got to him and you, know, there's gotta be some concern. And uh, I guess Ernie uh, Clement, the emergency catcher was scrambling for the gear, but you know, uh, melee, uh, you know, uh, Luke, um, you know, finished the game out, at least the inning out. But Francona said afterward that he, if, it, if they had tied that game up in the bottom of the ninth, Melee wasn't coming out for the for the rest of the game. Right. Yeah, that they, they were going to pull him after that. And uh, he's, the, the ominous thing that Tito said was that he wasn't going to have to be the one to explain to his family why they sent him back out there. So, uh, you know, that when you hear when you start hearing things like that, it gets a little a little scary. Uh, as as far as the game itself goes, uh, Savali leaves after the first inning in a scoreless tie, uh, and then you got a bullpen game. Then you got to piece together eight innings and give credit to to Cleveland's bullpen. That phone rang and uh, Eli Morgan jumped up. He got in there. He went two innings, 
uh, scoreless. Uh, Angel De Los Santos went in there, gave him two innings scoreless. Uh, the the only real uh, sort of uh, bump in the road was Sam Hentges. He gave up the two runs, uh, Jose Abreu uh, RBI double, and then uh, RBI ground out after that. Uh, that gave him the two-run lead. But, uh, you know, Guardians uh, tried to mount a rally, tried to come back. There were several opportunities for them to score. They had the the leadoff runner at second base, what, two, three times in that game uh, and and didn't score. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, it's just another example of the offense sort of being in that anemic phase, uh, not being able to push, you know, one or two runs across to to give uh, them a chance when the when the pitching staff really did its job. The bullpen came in and was lights out. Yeah, the bullpen did a great job, Joe. And I'm wondering if, you know, maybe that's why they would have to put Savali on the IL just to get fresh arm up here. And uh, they go 0 for 12 with runners in scoring position. You know, like you said, uh, strand five guys. Just, uh, you know, when, when this team gets behind, it's just, you know, it's like you, you really wonder if if they have the firepower to come back. And we're even just talking about a two-run deficit. It's It's, you know, they're in one of those phases right now where, they just, you know, they just don't have enough oomph to, uh, to uh, you know, mount a rally. And and the thing is, they we have seen this team rally before. We have we've seen this team rally uh, in in the most epic of ways against that Chicago team. Uh, it, it's just that you're right. It seems like there's a downward trend right now offensively, uh, and and they sort of need. Again, I I go back to this team needs the All Star break more than any team in baseball. Uh, just to sort of recharge its batteries and reset. Uh, but, uh, you know, Tito said that they talked to uh, the players about going out on all-star break and, and you know, keeping their arms active, uh, swinging a bat once in a while, not just, you know, going to the beach and, and laying there for four days. So uh, hopefully that message gets across and, and they, they come back after the break. But, but they do have one more series to get through, and this was a series that in Detroit – you know, they got swept four games. You, you, you can't uh, overlook this this Tigers team that's beaten them, what, seven out of nine games this season. Yeah, Detroit is, uh, you know, the worm may have turned finally, you know, after the uh, the Guardians have just kind of owned the Tigers, what, since probably 2016, mm-hmm. uh, just really put the, put a hurting on them. And uh, the, the Tigers are getting their licks in now. So uh, this is an important series. You can't lose contact with the Twins. And, uh, you know, you've got to – this would be a great series to win. You don't have to sweep it, but it would be a nice series to win and at least go into the to the break with some momentum. And and they've got their pitching lined up to do that. You know, they're, they're throwing uh, – you know, they're probably their four top guys in this in this series to to do that. Uh, go back to Savali. Uh, the, the prospects or the chances of him going on the injured list I think are, are pretty good just because you're not going to want to run him back out there after um, the break, if he hasn't, you know, pitched in a game situation uh, with that wrist to test things out. Uh, I mean, unless unless this is just a, sort of a temporary thing and he bounces back today feeling really good, I I got to imagine he's got to go on the injured list just to be able to get uh, a rehab start at, at some point. Yeah, you know, the good thing is you got the break in there, so uh, you got the all-star break in there. So you're not missing a whole lot of games, but he's still you, you're on there for 15 days. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, so I would think, you know, that this is what, what a second trip to the DL, uh, to the IL third in the last two years. And 
So yeah, yeah, that that would you'd have to you'd have to make at least one start rehab start to get back to get back in a groove. I was just thinking, Joe, you know, he to me watching him in his twelve starts. Uh, do you think you know he's thrown so many more curveballs than than we've seen in the past? Mm-hmm. You think that could have anything to do with the wrist injury? I, I that that's a decent question to you know maybe throw out to to Carl Willis. Uh, I. I it's a possibility. Uh, obviously, the the difference between throwing a fastball and a curveball could do something to your wrist there. But he had looked like he had figured things out by throwing that many more curveballs. He was he was being more effective over his last three starts. He was really good, and uh, he had been increasing his curveball usage. Uh, it that sort of goes hand in hand with him getting better. I, I don't know. Do, do you want a, uh, an Aaron Savali that, you know, is limiting his curveball usage uh, because of the threat of injury? I don't I don't think you want that. Yeah. You know, I, I was just looking. He He's throwing what baseball savant has him at 249 curveballs, like 26.1 percent of the pitches he's throwing. That's, you know, 12 starts, 54 innings. Last year, he threw uh, 309 curveballs. You know, in 21 starts, over 21 starts, 124 in the third innings. So, I, you know, I, I just – it just seems like such a different pattern for him. You know, I I, I don't remember him throwing that many breaking balls, you know, in, in the last – in the previous two years. Well, I mean, it's not like he's Lance McCullers and it's just his – it's his number one pitch, it's his best pitch, and he's just going to throw it and throw it and throw it and throw it. He's a guy who's diversified. He's got six pitches. He can – he can go out there and beat you in a number of ways, but if if one of those pitches he doesn't have a feel for it on a particular night, you know it might not just affect you know his cutter or his uh, his, his slider. It, it it also affects the pitches that he sets up with that pitch. So uh, you know we talked about Shane Bieber the other day. Uh, his cut fastball and his slider profile so similarly. There's just a difference in in speed and that separation and when he's got both working it's it's really hard on a hitter uh because one you throw in the slider one you throw in the cur- uh, the cutter and they come at you at two different speeds um it, it's the, sort of the same way with with uh Savali in terms of you know he he's 12 6 on the on the curveball yeah it it's it, it, he sets up the sinker that way it it there's a lot of other pitches that get that you take away if you can't throw that pitch. Yeah. And he throws a lot of pitches, what six or seven different pitches. So yeah, yeah it's, it, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, just how he bounces back in the second half. All right. Speaking of bouncing back in the second half or not bouncing back in the second half, or maybe uh, doing damage to yourself before the second half, uh, Jose Ramirez announced he's going to participate in the home run derby. And we've been waiting for this since what 2018 uh, was the first time that it was sort of thrown out there that hey maybe we we could see Jose in a in a home run derby. Um, uh, do you think this is a great idea right now? Uh, uh, you, you were saying that that Jose hasn't hit a home run. Uh, his, he's got what one home run since June 10th. Yeah, one home run since June 10th. Uh, so first of all, I don't know why you want a guy. You're not getting exactly, uh, you know, a power hitting machine uh, in in that, uh, you know, in the home run derby. But you know, I know Jose has wanted to do it uh, for a long time, and uh, the Indians, 
I mean, the, the organization, the front office has, uh, you know, seemed to talk him out of it almost every time just to, you know, keep him fresh for the second half when, you know, what, this is his fourth all-star game. So we've been through this before and this is the, you know, this time he's kind of committed to being on the team uh, and in the Derby. Uh, and, you know, we, there's a, that uh, theory of, uh, you know, well, he has a, he's, he's complained about a, a sore thumb, a right thumb and, uh how how does that affect him? Because you know when you when you watch the, the home run derby, it's max effort. Those guys aren't screwing around. And if you advance, I mean, you're going to be, you know, you're, you're going to be sucking wind at, at the end of at the end of that thing. They're, they they don't screw around out there. Right. And my whole you know theory on this is you know maybe he goes and he competes in it and he he gets knocked out in the first round, sort of like Carlos Santana did in 2019. You, you you don't worry as much if he takes, you know, just the one round of, of swings and, and then he's good. He gets the experience, he gets the exposure and all that. But, uh, you know, an, an early exit would probably be the the ideal situation for the Guardians uh, as an organization. Uh, but Jose wants to compete. He wants to be out there. He wants to show everybody that he can do it. Uh, I don't think he's a he's a light hitting uh, you know, entry in this. He's not Vladdy. He's not, you know, uh, yeah. Alonzo. He's not going to go out there and be one of the horses that, that can, you know, hit 40 balls out or whatever, but Jose can, he can generate some power and he can get the ball out there. Plus he also hits from both sides so that that will help him as well, because if he decides to swing from both sides of the plate during his rounds, uh, you know, it could, it could help him in terms of wear and tear, and keep him a, a little fresher, I guess. What you don't want to see is what happened to, let's say, Aaron Judge, who went into a, a funk after winning the the home run derby in 2017. You know, he spent about a month uh, struggling there uh, at the plate in his in his rookie season. Yeah, Bobby Abreu with the Phillies did the same thing, and when he won the derby in Detroit. Uh, you know, they, they've, 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 you know, there's been some struggle, but then, you know, Albert Bell, I remember in 95, he was in the home run derby and uh, you know, he said that helped him find his swing for the second half when he hit about what, I think he hit 17 home runs in September mm -hmm. so, to what, to go 50, 50. So uh, I don't know. I guess there's, there's, hey. there's both sides to it. All he's, all he's got to do is hit two home runs in the derby. And he'll pass Jim Tomey for, for, for you know, in, in terms of more home runs hit than anybody else. But, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a, a long and glorious history of uh, Cleveland players uh, showing up and, and sort of not performing. I guess Bell uh, – did, did Bell make it to the finals that year? Yeah, I think he finished second. He finished I, second. To Griffey, I think, wasn't it? Griffey. Oh. Was it 98 or 99? I, I, I thought I thought it was 95, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, it was in Pittsburgh. I remember it was in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so pretty sure. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I, you know what, I've got a deep dive on that, uh, on the home run derby that I'll, uh, I'll be posting, uh, later on this week. Uh, it'll, it'll break down all of the performance, all the past performances of Cleveland players in the, the home run derby. Uh, anyways, uh, Charlie Montoya in Toronto. Uh, he is out. The Toronto Blue Jays had uh, high hopes coming into this season. Uh, what do you think it says that Charlie Montoya is now 
uh, before the All-Star game is uh, no longer the manager. They're in what? Fourth place in the division? Yeah, and uh, but they were in, you know, they owned, I think they were in the third spot in the in the wild card. And uh, this is a guy that gets fired when you're, you know, if the season would have ended yesterday when he got fired, they would have made the postseason. The playoffs, yeah. And uh, there were four or five games above 500. Uh, I just think there, there has to be something going on behind the scenes, Joe, with that, because Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins, you know, those are two guys that, you know, like stability in that, in the, in the managerial you know, position. You know, when you go back to their days in Cleveland, mm-hmm. what they had Eric Wedge forever, uh, Charlie Charlie Manuel. They did fire Charlie Manuel, but kind of Charlie fired himself there when when Shapiro took over. And and then what? Then uh, when Shapiro got kicked upstairs, they went to Manny Acta, but that was more Chris Antonetti's hire than than those than uh, Shapiro. So you know, I I just think you know the every GM or you know, really wants. They would like to hire one manager and, you know, have them through the te- their tenure at, with mm-hmm. that club. And uh, for Montoya to get banged like this, that that's that's concerning. And I, I don't know if it had to do with payroll, you know, or pressure from ownership uh-huh. or but but there was something at work there. Well, uh, Schneider, the uh, the guy who replaced him, uh, had been with a lot of these young players on the roster through their their minor league time you know he'd been with Vladi and Bobachet and and had played with a lot of the guys on the uh the Toronto roster so there might be some some continuity there as he comes in to take his spot but uh you know and who knows uh John Schneider now the the interim manager uh we'll, we'll see how long he he lasts maybe if, if he takes the job after the season and the awesome. best thing about that, Joe, is uh, Casey Candell got called up to be the bench coach. Very he was cool. uh, Toronto's he was Toronto's AAA manager. And Casey Candell, when he played in Cleveland, would tell us about taking batting practice naked. He would take BP naked. So you got to like that as a bench coach. Well, uh, hopefully he doesn't do that as a bench coach. Uh, you know, we, <laughs> we want to see him in full uniform there uh, in in Toronto. That for sure. That's. Uh, not something that we need to be seeing on uh, Major League Baseball Network. Uh, Hoinsey, as we uh, head into this series against Detroit, obviously a lot going on at the park this weekend. Uh, Jose Ramirez, bobblehead night on Saturday. You get the uh, the chains for the, the, the fans, the medallions with his face on them on Friday. Uh, big Jose Ramirez week uh, here in Cleveland, uh, which will will wind up on Monday with him in the, the home run derby. Uh, just sort of got to recognize the fact that this is the guy that chose to stay here in Cleveland. And now he's sort of reaping the, uh, the benefits of it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just, uh, you know, a great, great start to the season. He's hit a little, you know, lull here, but I don't think that was unexpected. I don't think anyone could stay, could have stayed as hot as he was in April and, and part of May there. And, uh, but yeah, well-deserved for Jose. I, you know, I hope he, I hope he enjoys the weekend. Another uh, all-star selection and uh, protect that thumb and uh, hopefully have, have have some fun at the at the home run derby. Yeah, that's uh, the only if nothing else, if he comes out with a, a, a healthy thumb and, you know, able to, to survive the, the the final two, three months of the season, uh, then then we'll be all right. But uh, looking forward to seeing Jose, looking forward to seeing Andres Jimenez and Emmanuel Classe. Uh, play in their first all-star game uh should be a lot of fun this weekend 
Uh, Hoinsie, we got one more podcast coming up uh, tomorrow and, and before we go on break. And we'll be back uh, tomorrow morning to talk here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Good deal, Joe.